Hey, everybody. Hi, guys. Well, from Mormon Ground Zero. It's Thank God I'm Atheist. The podcast. I'm Frank. And I'm Dan. Coming up on today's episode, a conversation with Peter Bogosian. Peter Bogosian. We've, yeah. we, we have secured the tape. Yes. We, we, we've, we, yeah. And we the correct nice... pronunciation of his name. Indeed. <laughs> like explosion. Yeah. As he explained. Bogosian. Yeah. But we'll so, hear all of that. Yeah, that's now, of, now, what's coming up. Now we'll, yeah, we will be repeating ourselves, because that happens later. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. okay. That's fine. Absolutely. It's, Dan, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> well, thank know, you. I don't know what you're... Thank you're, you. I'm glad that you've given me that permission. getting all upset about here. I'm not upset. You're clearly upset, Dan. I'm furious. <laughs> but only because we were doing our Harvey Firestein impressions earlier. And it was fantastic. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> it's too bad you guys weren't there for that, because it was really funny. If if there's a, an appropriate <laughs> moment during the show, we'll get to far, uh, Fireheart. Farvey Hirestern. Harvey Five Finkel. No. All right. Uh, Quick, let's go to do a story before something bad happens. Uh, okay. Well, I want to start with a story um, that... Uh, that came to us from, I found out about this from um, a listener uh, who posted this on to our Facebook page, oh. uh, America. Mm. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a story, it, it intrigued me instantly, um, and I, I, I dug around a little bit and looked into it. And uh, so I'm looking actually at USA Today mm. for, for this story. Fine, fine piece of journalism, the USA Today. Well, you know. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, and the headline at USA Today says Muslim workers say they were fired for praying. Oh, oh yes. dear. Um, and there were, I believe, 24, there, there was, there was a bunch, two dozen is what the article says, Ooh. uh, Muslims who were fired from DHL Global Mail oh. in the processing center. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they, uh, one of them. Uh, Ma Al, Ma Mao Mao, twenty seven. Uh, uh, he's a refugee from Somalia, mm. and he came to the United States in two thousand seven. And he said that he, and this is according to him, but he said that he never received any negative comments about his performance. Okay, on the job. In fact, you know, he claims to have been an exemplary um, employee. Okay, and uh, they had been allowing. Um, DHL supervisors had, uh, had been allowing a flexible, flexible break times that allowed him and fellow Somalis, uh, Somali Muslims to, um, to go and pray. And it takes about five minutes Mm -hmm. and they were doing it on their, their break that they would have been getting anyway. Sure. And, uh, and then a new supervisor came in and changed the policy for, for that section, Mm. that department, whatever. And, uh, and would not even let them go off the clock to pray. They were mm-hmm. like, hey, listen, you know, like, if you're not going to, like, let us do it on our break when, and let us take our break when we, you know, when we can around praying, we're, we're fine to just go off the clock, but this is a religious requirement for us. Right. And so instead, because they refu- the workers refused to comply with this, um, this new, policy. New, new, new policy, then they, uh, they were released. Huh. Well, I'll tell you what they what they were really fired for <laughs> being Muslim. N- no, the guy just hated that song, the call to prayer song. Some <laughs> some somebody was in the warehouse going, "Oh, 
and the uh, the hollering. Yeah, just get to yeah, you know it's annoying. <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want. You don't the, want the hollering. The annoying hollering, <laughs> which um, I think is the Arabic word for that song. Hollering. The the hollering. <laughs> <laughs> the al hollering. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I. I like. Yeah, that's I, clearly I a case thing. of fired for being Muslim. Yeah, very clearly. Especially if, if they the... were if they were like, I gotta go smoke. Dude would have been, oh, cool. Right. Totally cool. Right. But since they was praying to evil evil Muslim God. Yeah. That that I'll tell you what happened. That supervisor, as soon as he took his, his position, was like, he went home and he was like, damn Muslims. It's all Muslims up in here. I'm going to get them out. <laughs> I know how. I'm going to cleanse DHL, or at least I, my department. I'll it. tell you, man. I, you know, the whole... It's a rock and a hard place issue because pray, having to pray five times a day is just that. Well, pray. I. I, I mean, you know, maybe this, we we're not going to be overly sympathetic because we because prayer just seems stupid to us. But right. but complete I mean, pain in the butt to be honest. Yeah, but frankly, but if you're going to have to pray, if you're in a religion, I mean, clearly these guys were fired by a Christian. I mean, I know it's an assumption. But I'd bet dollars to donuts. Yeah, dude was a Christian. He's got his own religious requirements. Why can't? Why does he got to be a dick about other people's? Yeah, that's stupid. Well, and it's just if these were good employees, right? Like they're saying they were. If they were able to discharge if, their duties properly, if, and and they they're trained, they're on the job, they're showing up on time, they're doing their work, right? Blah blah blah. This is all they want. It just seems like bad business to me. Exactly. Like, exactly. why Why would you, like, um, put yourself through having to train new people? Um, and why would you want to lose a good employee? Indeed. And not only that, like, I mean, these guys are not taking half an hour to do no. these prayers. No. This, is, guys, this is the quick one. This is just, this is just you know, 10 Allah Akbars and it's, and it's done. Just, <laughs> it's so easy. Join them for the prayer sometimes. See yeah. what happens. Maybe you maybe you find a new god. Get, get one of those little rugs. Yeah. They're cute. Oh, the rugs are nice. They're so cute. They're really nice. Maybe yeah. you can fly on them. You don't know. Yeah. yeah I just, until you try it. I just... Uh, it seems pretty cut and dry to me. It seems stupid to me. Um, and I, it I seems just, like they're opening themselves up for a, a nice, tidy lawsuit. Oh, yeah. There's already that in the works. Yep. So, so there you go. Yeah. There you go. Very interesting. Well, uh, staying on, on the windy side of the law. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to tell you about a story that happened in Texas. Oh. Uh, so you know it's going to be good. If I tell you it happened in Texas on this show, I think you know something special's coming. Yeah, well, something's always happening in Texas. That's <laughs> the thing that we've learned about Texas. <laughs> always, that should be their new state motto. <laughs> something's always happening in Texas. <laughs> And it's true. And it's true. Yeah. All right. Well, here's here's what's happening in Texas. Some uh, there's a, a volunteer group uh, called the Cicada Collective, as they, in like the little bug. They have named themselves after an insect. It's okay. true. Okay. Uh, but there there's nothing about them that's insecty. They are an anonymous community centered group of reproductive justice organizers located in north North Texas. Okay. Reproductive justice. It's, yeah. So what, what does that mean? It sounds like they're putting badges on fetuses. 
I'm going to go out. I'm going to take care of business. Oh, I'm almost to the Harvey Firestein thing. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't trying to do that, but I think, I think that's just where my voice wants to go. <laughs> Harvey Firestein is reproductive justice. Yeah. Let me take care of your abortion. <laughs> I'm going to help you with your abortion. <laughs> no one's going to mess with you with me around, honey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no. Here's what they've done. This is a great way to help women n- to choose not to have abortion because that's what they want. Right. To help women to choose not to have an abortion. Okay. So they apparently oh, went. a noble thing to do. Yeah. Oh, no, no. So I'm sorry. I'm confusing two things. Oh, um, they're helping them to choose to have abortions. To, they're helping them to have abortions in a state that doesn't want them to have abortions. But uh, apparently a group of people. So they were like looking for volunteers to to shuttle women to their abortions so that they could get there safely and get home. Oh, OK. Yeah. That sort of thing. OK. Apparently a whole bunch of uh, a, a a collection of mischievous christians or Uh-oh. christievous mischievous if you want to <laughs> shut up uh decided to volunteer like like a, a call went out to christians to volunteer to drive women to their abortions i'm doing air quotes here yeah and uh and then basically kidnap them what and take them to a church instead ew Ew. It, they basically they basically encouraged everybody to drive them around for an hour and try and talk them out of it. And if you couldn't talk them out of it, then you drop them off at a church. Oh my god. That's called kidnapping. That is called kidnapping. So did they get in trouble for this? Well, you know, it didn't I don't think it actually ended up happening because it, it people like got wind of it, the cicada people got wind of it oh and uh, and they basically had to put an end to the program because Oh my God! They couldn't. Oh, and and oh, and it was so smart of them because they they, they were gonna, you know, even if you couldn't talk them out of it, at least yeah. they would have missed their appointment. Mm. Dicks. That is dick ish. Biggest dick move ever. But I mean, yeah, you're kidnapping. I I yeah. don't know how they didn't understand that. <laughs> I don't know how they didn't get that. Oh, hey, you know what we should do? Commit a felony. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'll be fun. I think that'll work. Oh my God. Uh. Yeah, it's so, it's, and of course, you know, Texas wow, already is the place amazing. that has the most restrictive but abortion rights, yeah. uh, abortion laws in the country. But they are committing a felony for God. Yeah, they are totally saving. They're saving a life. I actually, I I would like to encourage any Christians listening to our program to go out and there commit some felonies for God. <laughs> Please do it, and then turn yourself in because that's the right thing to do. Right. Yeah. Jesus would want that. Yeah. Mm. Jesus. Felonies. They're, they're the best way to, uh, to prevent Crimes abortion. for Jesus. Crimes for Jesus. What Hashtag cr- crimes for Jesus. <laughs> what crime would Jesus commit? <laughs> what would Jesus commit? I like that. WWJC. <laughs> All right. Well, um, in the state of Tennessee, perhaps he would unlawfully keep a bunch of snakes. So that people Snakes? could better worship him. <laughs> of course he um, would. Apparently one of the hosts, not hosts, one of the stars mm. of uh, National Geographic's uh, Snake Salvation series, uh, Andrew Hamblin is his name, uh-huh. um, a 22-year-old 
um, 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 Pentecostal pastor. He's only 22? Yeah, but he's good at it. And he's handling the snakes. Handling the snakes. Um, I think he's only 22. Jesus. I was just pulling that up. Yeah, they charged Hamblin, 22, with 53 counts of possession of Class 1 wildlife, which includes poisonous snakes. You can't have poisonous snakes. He had uh, water moccasins, rattlesnakes, copperheads, (laughs) and other death-dealing vipers, according to the article. (laughs) Death-dealing. Wow, someone's getting... Some journalist is getting fancy with the words, people. Um, Yeah, so this is all based on um, their reading of uh, Mark 16, uh, Mark chapter 16, verses 17 through 18. If you want to... Are you looking those up, Dan? Uh, I can. You, I saw you starting to type as I yeah. was saying that. Mark, but what is it? I was going to before the show. Mark 16, 17 through 18. Okay. Um, and uh, and I forgot to look it up. I was curious what it said. But anyways, he um, so he had 53 snakes. That's why there's 53 counts. And each count um, could potentially get him one year of prison time. Mm. Um, and uh, and th- this is interesting because... Um, he's in Tennessee and so the Tennessee wildlife resources agency is who raided his church is actually what they did. They raided the church, um, because he was keeping the snakes back behind the pulpit. I think I remember reading. Oh, and you know, there's like kids in this chapel. They, they said that if, if that, that what alarmed them about this case and why they did raid the church was where he was keeping the snakes. <laughs> if okay. he, perhaps if he had been keeping them elsewhere, he would have, they would have just looked the other way. I mean, of course, Frankly, I mean, these people are saying that they have a first amendment freedom of religion, right. right to, to, to break to, the law, to have these snakes. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love, I frankly, if these children that were exposed to these snakes had enough faith, they'd be fine. Well, okay. I don't see why the what the problem not, is. Just just to be clear here, the sna- the they do not let supposedly they do not let people under the age of eighteen handle the snakes. Handle the snakes. Um, it's that they were in the same that they're in this small chapel, and um, they're back there, just right there. You ready? in the same space? You ready for the scriptures? Yes, please. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Do they drink? Poison? How was that? Was that was that dramatic? You should have done it as Harvey Firestein. <laughs> <laughs> Why? How you missed that opportunity? I know, I even but know. I but I realized that. Like, I mean, he's Jewish. And they will get well. <laughs> and these signs will accompany those who believe. <laughs> they will pick up snakes with their hands, which ooh, and then they will. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I. <laughs> I just I love I I love the idea that uh that this is that this is a good thing. I frankly mm. the deadly poison thing seems like a bigger deal. Drink some deadly poison. I I wonder I mean they must. They must like do they dilute it down like really far and then Yeah, I mean drink I a little I, bit, I, like... I know that I've read stories about like snake handlers who drink. have who have defanged their snakes and stuff. Oh really? Uh-huh. Uh, 
cheaters. They're cheaters. They're cheaters. They're cheating in the eyes of like, the Lord. In, yeah, in front of God. They are cheating. Uh, uh, that's I, bad. In fairness, that's bad. in Mark, all it says is they will pick up snakes with their hands. It doesn't say they'll get bit and be okay. That's true. It just says they'll pick them up. It's implied. I've picked up snakes with my yeah, hand Dan, all I'm the time. Pretty sure it's implied. I <laughs> definitely have not. No, I do not do the snake thing. I had a snake for a while. Do you remember that? You used. I remember that you you were you were snake keeping. I was snake keeping. I I had a snake for like (laughs) snake sitting for like a year, (laughs) probably more. Probably two years. I had this snake. It just like sat. It didn't. You didn't like get it out. Oh, I did. You did. Yeah. You never did it when I was around. That's for sure. (laughs) No, because you would have screamed and run away. I would not have screamed. (laughs) You make it sound like I would have like no high pitch screamed through the house. You would have squealed like a little girl. No, that would not have happened. I, I, I definitely would have been like, put that thing away. Did you ever watch it? Feed? Actually, I probably would not have even like. Did you ever watch me feed it? I would not have been freaked out if you had taken it out, but you could would not have been allowed to come near me. Okay, well, like if you, you were go. like putting in my face or something, <laughs> which which I wouldn't do. What's funny is that when I gave the snake back to the guy, that the reason that I had the snake was because he, my friend, wanted to have a snake, but he knew his wife wouldn't let him have a snake with their kids, and then. Like, I was moving, and I was like, dude, you got to take the snake back. So he takes the snake back, and he keeps, like, bringing it out with his kids, and it kept biting his kids because his kids would, like, poke it and stuff. Oh, well. Like, like two days after he got the snake back, he sent me a a photo on his phone of his kid with, like, two bite marks right on his face. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's why I don't Pretty funny. Yeah. Well... You know what? If they had had more faith, maybe they are that, wild animals. Maybe those snakes wouldn't have bit them. They are yeah. not meant to live with you. Well, they're not. They're, there's and they don't have the capacity for uh, for cuddliness that a, yeah. that say a, a a dog has. Although I used to let him like you know slither all over me and stuff, and he was fine. Oh, we were, cuddly. It was kind of cuddly, yeah. but but he does. It's not like it's not, you can't bond with a snake. I'm sorry, you can't. No. Other people have tried to convince me that you can. But you can't. They're no. reptiles. They don't bond. Right. Anywho, um, hmm. I will. I I would like to talk about England and the church thereof. Oh yeah. C of E has now finally. You remember earlier this year we talked about how they were trying to make women bishops and it failed. Mm. Like like they 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 voted and they voted it down. Yeah. Which was shocking to us because it's England and it's just like what the fuck. Uh huh. Well, they've done it. They have now cleared the way so that by this time next year there may be there will be women bishops in the Church of England. That is remarkable. It's a it's it's a long time coming. Okay. I mean this is a pretty this is a pretty liberal religion and they still haven't gotten to it, but now they have. Well, good for them. So uh I mean, you well, know, what was the hang up? Like like why why would they The hang up is that while it's a fairly liberal religion, mm-hmm. it's still got a whole bunch of <laughs> Uh, not that's not my Church of England. Back in my days at the RAF, we never would have heard of such a thing. <laughs> that's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they because they had female vicars. Yeah, and I know this because of the vicar. Of Dibley. <laughs> they have. Um, they have a show about female vicars anyway. <laughs> about Don French as a female vicar. Which, by the way, if any of you have not checked out the Vicar uh, of Dibley, it's so cute. It's such a delight. It's on the Netflix. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. You'll have a good time. Oh. Anyway, the uh, this this new uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, Welby, 
is uh, Justin Welby. Welby. Justin Welby. Justin Welby. There's an archbishop. Doesn't of sound Ken- like an archbishop. No, he doesn't look Welby. like one either. Welby, I can see, but Justin. Justin. Hey, Justin. You want to be archbishop? Justin. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. For raw. Anyway, he's gonna yeah. do a good job. He's a he's a, he's he's at least gotten that much done. Well, good. Uh, they still, you know, huh. they're, they're still not consecrating gay marriages yet, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, it's a slippery slope, Dan. After this, <laughs> it's just going to happen. Everybody talks about slippery slopes like they're bad things, but they sound fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> we need to do more of these. These are great. What were we so afraid of? Well, personally, whenever the conservatives are complaining about a slippery slope, I'm like, please bring it on. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, sli- you're making you're saying it like it's a bad thing, but I'm hearing a good thing. Right. It's a slippery slope to tolerance and understanding. That sounds fine to me. I think I'm okay with that. So, well, sometimes, though, it's a slippery slope to you being able to marry your, your dog. It's always Every conservative slippery slope ends in sex with animals. Or all polygamy. Of, all of Polygamy the, or bestiality. But polygamy leads... That's only halfway down the slope. <laughs> At the bottom. At the bottom, you're having sex with an There's animal. There's an animal waiting for you to have sex with There's it. There's an animal presenting at the bottom of that slope <laughs> that's you don't Ew. want you don't you, you you want to get off the slope that's yeah. what they're saying because <laughs> it's going to happen because you once the you're, animal is waiting when, once you're on the slope well i mean I, I i think i think that the the trick to that is that who are the ones it there's a lot of conservatives who have some experience with uh, that part of the slippery slope, you remember that guy that there was a there was a preacher who who went on a I, as a matter of fact, I think Mackenzie posted a thing for Throwback Thursday. Oh, uh, that's that's an old blog post that I did that actually has a link to a guy who uh, who uh, he went on he was a, he was a preacher and he went on a show uh, on a on a show and he said, you know, I grew up in a farm in Georgia. Everybody's first girlfriend was a mule. And then the and then and then the the guy that was interviewing him was trying to like steer him away from that. Like, "Hey, back off of that statement, why don't you?" Yeah. And he was like, "No, no, really. My first girlfriend, I fucked a mule." Well, at least you can't get a mule pregnant. <laughs> Indeed. Like for two different reasons. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're safe. You're safe. <laughs> okay. Hope that that mule doesn't have any mule STDs and you're you're in good shape. How do we get to fucking mules from uh, from women bishops? It's like it's, this great it's little a slippery slope. Yeah. <laughs> we've slid. <laughs> we, we've, we've slid down into it. Clearly, how this works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Save us. Do another story. Okay. Well, I have. Are you familiar with the phenomenon, the cultural phenomenon that is the Hanukkah bush? I, I, no, I, so I mean I've heard the phrase, but I, 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 and and they're not. I, I the only reason that it's not the Hanukkah tree is because that sounds too much like Christmas tree. They're Christmas trees that have been appropriated for Jewish purposes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just going to make a horrible joke about huh? things that I've heard about Jewish women, but I'm not going to make that joke. Dan, don't. Um, so it's a Hanukkah bush. Hanukkah bush, and. Uh, well, they everybody there's, there's, gather around the Hanukkah bush. I'm trying to, I'm bringing oh, back Harvey. Hanukkah bush. Oh, <laughs> Hanukkah bush. 
Day, 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 day. <laughs> day, 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 day. <laughs> okay, Dan, that's enough. Um, so, so, anyways, there's a lot of. This is not a popular thing. People, no, people. There are certain like if you maybe like, um, oh, I don't know who would do it, but there are people who 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 want to be sort of included in the season. Jews that want to feel like they're included in the season. Sure. Sort of doing, and, and to be honest, bringing a tree into your home around you know, in the month of December mm-hmm. is a lovely tradition. It's, sure. It has a lovely smell. You're bringing this evergreen, the symbol of life. You're killing your a home. tree. You're killing a tree. But it was a tree raised for the purpose. <laughs> yes. You indeed. know. Um, <laughs> but people are uncomfortable with it. Well, sure. a, uh, uh, Michael Patchen um, figured out a solution for, for him and his wife. Oh, good. Uh, Jenny. Uh, who uh, she really, really, really wanted a Christmas tree, mm. and it's because she she's she's Jewish, but she grew up with one uh, Christian parent and one Jewish parent. They always had a Christmas tree, sure. and she just kind of misses the tradition. Sure. Of uh, and and so he he decided that he would create a menorah tree. Oh dear! Now I need you to to, oh, to close your eyes <laughs> and imagine. A menorah made out of, um, or maybe a, a, a large spindly menorah that is wrapped with garland. Um, okay, this doesn't sound like a good idea. <laughs> Sounds. I feel like you've. I feel like you're going down a bad road here. No, 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 no. It's quite large. It's about six feet tall. Holy shit! Um, and I would say that the 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 base of it looks like it's about just under half the height. Just past the maybe one third mark, somewhere somewhere in between. Okay, okay. <laughs> and that's where like the the cross beam goes out, and then it has the nine branches, I guess you could say. Yes, going straight up, right, wrapped with with garland and lights, and this gives a wonderful opportunity to hang ornaments. Sure, which is what you that's what you're really missing is this ability to hang these ornaments, and it just looks festive. How big are the candles? Well, that's the thing. They 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 do they do not do candles on these. They do a light at the top. Oh. Because then they they admit that's not safe. Yeah. Okay. Well, and plus, I mean, I mean the things you, over 6 feet tall. Do we need probably to explain to the what a menorah is? Most people know what a menorah I think is, right? Most people know what a menorah this is. It's the big the big sort of candelabra. It's a candelabra. Yeah. It holds nine candles and and each one represents a day of that the light stayed on. Yeah. The, the, when the in the, for Hanukkah, yeah. it's a, yeah, it's the festival of lights. People, yes, look it up. Yeah, it's lovely. And so this now gives. Um, do you want to see a picture? Yeah, I'm, I'm turning your thing. Oh God, it's so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> is it, it, I mean, and it's not. I, it's I not live it well, garland. You think? It's not live oh, garland. God, it's, no. it's just no. like fake Target garland that they that he's wrapped around. Yeah. You know, um, you people can order you, one. You sure. can order one for $250. Oh, hey, make it at have home. One, have one at, uh, in your own home. I say make it at home. You know, get some PVC. Well, he originally did. About <laughs> eight years ago, he got the idea. He surprised his wife with it because she had this little tiny little Christmas tree that she was keeping. And she was just oh, so attached to little, it. Little Charlie Brown type and tree. I don't know. It was like a little, sound like it was just a little plastic thing. <laughs> okay. Just because she just wanted one. And... Um, <laughs> 
and he he was just like he was like okay well i don't want a christmas tree in my house i want it to be something jewish this is what's funny is that this is this is one of those examples where you take two things that are good and you combine them into something that's awful oh yeah and that's just it's it's one of those a mule <laughs> yes well no mules can be very useful especially when they're at the bottom of slopes but the idea is that if you yeah, not every compromise is a good idea. Mm. That's all I'm getting at. Well, it's a, I think it's a lovely, lovely, <laughs> lovely tradition. And definitely one that is going to just catch on. Yeah. Actually, no. A lot of, a lot, a lot of there was a lot of Jewish sort of befuddlement in this article <laughs> right. that I read, where it was just like, um, once again, why? Yeah. Well, we already have, as basically as you were just saying, we, we have this, we already have a lovely symbol. We have a nice tradition that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I don't we know. We have I'm, a menorah. Yeah. Why does yeah. it need a menorah? Need to be a tree. And you're not getting the benefit. My number one benefit that I think is the reason why you have a Christmas tree. Um, I just love the smell. The smell. I love well, the smell. Well, that's why you do the live garland. If you, can, yeah. if you can buy the live garland and you put that all around it, but that's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And it would be a lot harder to get it to like probably really look like menorah maybe you could get the uh, garland wholesale you could get you i got a guy he does it for half price <laughs> just going back to harvey I, i'm trying to get more harvey in the show yeah it's a terrible impression that's what's amazing no, yeah. about this is yeah. it it's the well, worst it, and that was the worst moment of it as well yeah 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 you're <laughs> welcome everybody <laughs> i'm bringing it because there was there was a moment in the middle <laughs> Somewhere, and I think pre-show. <clears throat> oh, pre-show, you we, guys. We were we were spot on with, with Harvey. <laughs> we were doing adolescent Harvey. That was what was going on well, in pre-show. Yeah. That was good stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I might need a hug after all of that. And here's, oh, but I'm not going to go to Saudi Why? Arabia. Was it that awful? Well, you were was mean to me. That awful. You oh. told me I was bad. I told you your Harvey Firestein was, yeah. was bad. Yeah. I think I might need a hug, but I'm not going to go to Saudi Arabia for it. Because my next story for my next for my next trick, Saudi Arabia has now arrested two young men for standing in a main uh, plaza with free hugs signs and giving hugs to other men. Okay, well, what was... <laughs> you know that sort that annoying trend of free hugs. Yeah, that everybody you know. Oh, every, it's cute. Now. Every now and then, some Occupy Wall Street person's going to have a free hug sign, and it's mm. and they're always the stinkiest of them all. Yeah, the one. It's the, always the doused in patchouli or whatever. Right, right, right. With 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 dreadlocks that have things crawling around in them or whatever. <sighs> anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, somebody in in Saudi Arabia did this. He, he posted a YouTube video of himself doing it. These two other guys were like, "Hey, great idea." I'm gonna post my. I'm gonna do it myself. So they went out to the, uh, to the the square and they 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 had their free hugs signs, um, which strangely are, say free hugs in English, not in Arabic. Well, that was um, the problem then. Yeah, and they were uh, arrested. Why? Why is it illegal to hug? I thought this is a country where like men hold hands as, as signs of friendship and whatnot. Yeah. Th- well. <sighs> It, apparently, the 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 uh, the commission for the promotion of virtue and prevention of vice has arrested the men <laughs> uh, for violating local laws and engaging in quote exotic practices. 
Is that exotic? <laughs> it is there, apparently. Exotic. I mean, yeah. It's uh, was it seen as like a Western trend? I, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a religious arrest. Somehow, some, on some level, somehow, this is not okay. Now, of course, they were only hugging men because if they actually did hug women that oh, weren't their wives, they beheaded, yeah. right? Well, yeah, th- thrown in something, La- like uh, get whipped. Yeah, right. Who knows? I don't. I I I I don't know. Do they do whippings there? I think I saw the whipping. I know that. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw I something about a whipping years ago with like something. I can't remember what what the crime was, but yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. but so uh, you got to be careful with your huggins over there. It is yeah. not. It's not a place for cuddling. It, you know, it's it's definitely okay to hug, but it's not okay to. You have to charge. Hugs. You need to charge for your hugs. <laughs> there, I think. I think the. Uh, I think the problem here is that they were not. Charging. <laughs> and that, you know what? They're putting good, honest hug businessmen out of business. By that, doing that, that. that is the problem. That's, there are small businessmen trying to make a living hugging people. There are members of the uh, Saudi royal family <laughs> who, whose hug empire uh, were, was being threatened. Prince Al-Qadil. Al-Qadil. I don't know. I'm trying to do a thing now. Uh, yeah, I think I think actually the idea is that somehow uh, this this was deemed to be vaguely homosexual in nature. How? I don't know. It is definitely vaguely, yeah, <clears throat> homosexual. Yeah, because I don't see it. Yeah, hug. <laughs> they yeah they anyway yeah the the, the religious police in Saudi Arabia. Are the wow. ones that did it? They're they're in charge. They are they are charged with uh you know doing the whole Sharia law thing, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah yeah. So as yeah, they, as you should. They want they stop un unrelated men and women from socializing with each other. They make sure that they mm. put an end to all the queers, and uh, and enforce the dress codes, dietary codes, that sort of thing. So apparently, they they serve an hugging. important. Uh, important role. Indeed, they do. They fill a, 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 a place that would be missed right. in Saudi. And society. you know, as someone who doesn't enjoy the free hugs, guys, just because it feels <laughs> weird to me, you, I, I'm not I, suggesting you, that we arrest them. I'm not suggesting that. But maybe they should be on notice. I'm just hmm. saying. <laughs> hmm. It. I let the yeah, let uh, free hugs is weird. Why? Yeah, you're a stranger to me. I yeah. have no need to hug you. Yeah. I, you know, you seem nice and all, but... But maybe you just need a hug. Mm. And he's there. He's offering <laughs> a, a hug. You're, you're, you know what, though? The moments that I need a hug most are the moments that I don't want to hug from that guy most. <laughs> <laughs> the moments that I most need a hug, it's like, where is someone that I love right. to hug me? It's not, where is anyone who will hug me? But sometimes you just, I mean, you got to take a hug when you when <laughs> you can get it. Yeah. Maybe, and maybe people aren't as blessed with hugs as I am. Yeah. I have you know? many people to hug in my life. <laughs> hugs are everywhere. They're plentiful. They abound. So uh, maybe maybe I need to be nicer about it. Yeah. But not in Saudi Arabia. It should just be a free creepy hugs. <laughs> free creeps. <laughs> We will give you, I will give you the shivers for free. I will hold you too long. And and 
man. Yeah. I will not let you break the embrace for. I I will I will have it's uh, just a moment too long, and there will be slightly more body contact than you're comfortable with. <laughs> I will. It will it will start at the top, but it will go down below the waistline. Oh, the hips will be involved. There will be hip touching. <laughs> it's that kind of a hug. <laughs> Is that all our stories? I believe so. I hope so. <laughs> well, Jesus. if you want to give us a a a an email hug, then mm. you can you can write to us. Don't uh, be creepy. <laughs> it's way too late <laughs> for that. R- write to us at podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash TGI Atheist. Right. Like or, us. Like us there. Or uh, you can you can leave us a voicemail, which is uh, 424-666-TGIA. That's 424-666-8442. Yeah. And about the Facebook. We're getting close to 1,000 likes. Yeah. But not, so, not close enough. We, yeah. we need to be over 1,000 likes. Yeah. Go so, and like us. If you haven't, go do it. But if you feel that you can't because of the name or whatever... Then you you owe us one, and then you have to go onto iTunes, and you have to leave a nice review and, mm, and yeah. five stars and all that yeah. stuff. All right. Well, so. we're going to take a uh, a quick break. Yeah. Uh, this uh, this this break is going to feature Len and Ethel Hutzel. Oh, Len and Ethel Hutzel. Um, it's of, a cable Dallas, access. Texas. It's a cable access show singing. I think, a, a wonderful holiday. <laughs> I think it's song for us. Is this from the nineties or something? It kind of looks like it. Yeah, okay. But it could, to be honest, it could have been yesterday. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> and that's what's beautiful about it. Celebrations come to tell us something good. Celebrations we love to recall. Mary had a baby born in Bethlehem. Greatest celebration of them all. Come on, ring those bells, light the Christmas tree. Jesus is the King, born for you and me. Come on, ring those bells, everybody say. Jesus, we remember this your birthday. Come on, ring those bells, light the Christmas tree. Jesus is the King, born for you and me. Come on, ring those bells, everybody say. Jesus, we remember this your birthday. Come on, ring those bells. There's still ringing bells. Let's let's end this. No, I want to hear more. No, no, we're done. Damn, it's lovely. (laughs) Come on, ring those bells. bells. Jesus' birthday. birthday. Jesus' birthday. Oh, that was ridiculous. We just wanted to put everybody in the Christmas spirit. Because <sighs> it's the season. Tis the season. Tis the season. Yes, it is. You know, we want our Venezuelan listeners <laughs> to... To know that we're with you. To know ya. we're with you, guys. We're here with you. <laughs> I forgive us for doing that only because it's almost Thanksgiving. And mm. you got, it's, it, we're basically... We're, we're close to... I think if, when you're one month away, you're okay. And we're like two days from one, or three days from that. Mm. No, you don't agree? <laughs> I don't you, think it was okay. 
You think that that was not okay for I, us to I do? Think, I think it was highly inappropriate. We've committed a crime. <laughs> We're as bad as Costco at this point. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> we would never label the Bible fiction. Oh, ooh. You guys will see Touché. that. Touche. Anyway, um, so we got some uh, some correspondence. Mm. Various people mm. corresponded with us. Uh, Chris wrote in to say that um, the <laughs> well, he said a bunch of things. But one of the things he said, he was talking about, you know, you and I talked about uh, executions of people, mm, mm-hmm. the, 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 the executions of murders, yeah. the murderers that happens here mm-hmm. in, in the United States of America. Which there were, um, what was interesting because we had talked about that, I was sort of, sort of, it was on my mind. And I, there were a couple, or there, there was at least one that wasn't the one that we were talking about right, this, this week. Right, this week, yeah. They're, they're, they're killing them. They're out there killing them. Yep. Uh, he said, uh, you know, and what what I had said was that my uh, my desired method of execution, were I to choose, would be a beheading, would be a guillotine. And he says, I must tell you that you were wrong about beheadings or hangings. While the spinal cord is severed at the top of the at the topmost vertebra, it never impacts the entire brain. You may very well feel complete phantom body ri- uh, a complete phantom body body writhing in pain for upwards of a minute until the blood drained out and you finally fell unconscious. He says, "If I were to choose my own death, it would be that I have one or two small, highly explosive capsules placed under sedation, of course, at the base of my thalamus and then detonated. Also under sedation." <laughs> what? He said, he said organs are clean for harvesting, not that anyone could want, could use my liver, and job's done. It's well, also messy. That's pretty... Well, I mean, if it's contained within the skull, maybe it, maybe it just scrambles your eggs and you're done. <laughs> They're charting. Well, in, it in sounds that case, very... I would go for the, the way that you kill the frog in, 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 in sixth grade, when which, you dissect a frog. Which is what? Didn't you just like... Oh no! You no. First, you use a little bit of like chloroform, chloroform, and then I remember using like a um, like you just put a needle in the top of their their head and scramble the brain. <laughs> I never. I don't know see, if I that never was like this. my demented teacher who that was. She wanted to make sure that they were dead, but like, huh? That'll do it. It would do it if you get the brain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. I, I'm still going to go with beheading, but thanks. I mean, yeah, you're right. I, he brings up a really good point. Well, no. The, here, okay, so it, your your pain center is in your spine. This that's So that's where I'm coming from. Now, he, he's right that there may be some sort of phantom phantom limb syndrome. but Phantom d- body in this case. Yeah, phantom entire everything syndrome. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. We should ask someone who's been decapitated and see if that, that see if that's mm, actually true. Good point, Dan. The theory, wow, way the, to... Yeah, that was good. Thanks. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so we also got another thing about... Uh, about that same topic from Robbie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, thanks, Chris, by the way, for that. Um, yeah. Robbie wrote in and said, I'm a few months away from finishing my master's degree in criminal justice and wanted to give my two cents on one of the topics of this week's show. Um, I helped a professor gather articles over a subject over the subject of organ harvesting huh. and happened to have a, curious, a, a cursory understanding of the subject. Uh, there, is ser- there are serious problems with, quote, voluntary organ donations of executed convicts. China has a dark history of harvesting organs from some mm. executed criminals 
since it was legalized in the mid-80s. Whoa. My point is that there are slippery slopes. (laughs) Oh, Robbie, we know where those go. (laughs) Anyway, my point is that there are slippery slopes to giving people in positions of clear stress and susceptibility susceptibility to coercion, the, the, quote, option to donate their organs, Hmm. especially if it results in an an, uh, in an alternative type of execution, uh, family compensation, et cetera. Now I wanted to go on record and saying, I think if we have decided as a society that these people have committed a crime heinous enough that they have, that their life is forfeit. I think their body is forfeit too. I think we could just, Hmm. if it's just for medical purposes, we could just take their organs. I don't know, Dan. That's there. There are still rights in prison. They're greatly limited. When, when you've taken away the right to be alive, I think I, but, I don't but know. But there, I think there are rights that you. I, I think you have. And there, I, there, I believe maybe, me. Maybe I agree that there are rights even, to prisoners. Maybe what I'm even my issue here isn't even a, a rights issue. Maybe it's more of just a basic ethics issue i i'm I'm having a reaction to that and i'm not quite sure what it is well i I, I mean we don't we've um, discussed that we have an ethics issue with 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 capital punishment in general well right i mean it's it's a it is a once 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 you're on this side of it it's a very gray and weird area because it's just like oh well of course they should be able to opt in and then but like at the same time it, it does seem like there's i he brings up a good point there would be a lot of coercion right a lot of like, oh, well, I guess this is the right thing to do. And I'm saying take point. that out of the equation and just say, by the way, we're taking your, your organs. Thanks. I think you just. This you is know. how you're giving back to society. I think, uh, I think uh, that's there's a serious line there that is being crossed. I'm well, not quite sure what it is. I feel like that line is crossed when you kill them. That's what I think. Once you've crossed that line, what are you going to do? Anyway, he, he also uh, talked to some interesting stuff about. Uh, about the U.S., uh, it, sa- it says that we are the only developed nation that kills its convict, that still kills convicts. I think, I, I, didn't you already just mention China? That's not developed? They're developing. Developing. Anyway, uh, and, and he says we're not, he, he went on to make some interesting points about punishment in general. Um, and and he, he recommends the reading, um, of the immorality of punishment by Zimmerman and or the case hmm. against punishment by Golash. Hmm. Interesting. Um, he says uh, there is a contingent of scholars who all who hold that all or most punishment is immoral. Instead, society should seek restitutions and, when necessary, non-punitive uh, incapacitation of the most dangerous offenders. Interesting. I, huh. I I think that's a that's a, a thought worth looking into. Yeah. So absolutely. go read those books, everybody, and then uh, get back to us. Okie doke. Um, hey, fellas. This is Zach uh, saying, hey, fellas, like you, I'm an ex-Mormon, living, an ex-Mormon atheist living in Utah. Always an interesting topic is getting one's name removed from the church records. We've talked about that as na- ad nauseum. Uh, <laughs> however, something I have not heard much of is how and why one, mu- one might get, want to get one's children's names removed from church records. I have two small children who were blessed in the church before I left. Although at the time of my departure, I was more open-minded about my children being involved with the church, that has changed. As I have seen and experienced the struggles with adults who were raised in the church, I understand now that children are simply too young for religion. It's, 
if a consenting adult wants to teach wants to latch on to dogma, more power to them. But it's just too much of a mind fuck for children. It's too it's too hard to separate your own beliefs with myths uh, that you have believed to be true since you could talk. Mm. Uh, are you able to shed any light on how the LDS Church handles the removing of children's records? Thanks, Zach. Oh, I should have looked into that a little bit further because my understanding is children who are blessed, and I might be totally wrong with this, but children who are blessed when they're newborns, if nothing else ends up happening on their record, I think they end up kind of just falling off. I think so. I think I think the baptism is the is is the that's, official. That's when they become members of the church. Beginning of their membership. Otherwise, uh, they're which sort is of dumb chill, because because in the Mormon church, it's, that happens at eight years old. So it's not like they're any better equipped to right. actually. So until eight, you don't have your own like membership. Up until that point, it's I think they call it a child of record, right? Or you know, um, and so you that kid is counted but they're not really a member so that's my understanding but i mean it does bring up an interesting point does it first of all does it matter that your kid is on the records well it doesn't matter if your name is on the records right i mean basically i think if it matters if it matters to you that your name is still there then it probably matters that your kids names are there but my question is i don't even know like let's look into that and get back to him because like um i'm i'm pretty sure the name just automatically just kind of goes away yeah i think so after the age of eight but so. i mean I, I i think the real answer to your question zach is just don't take your kids to church i think that's the i mean it's nothing to do with the records it's just uh about not taking them sure i think that that's i think that that's a valid thing to say that you know church will sort of scramble your kids eggs for a minute and mm-hmm. uh and you don't need that no not at all so yeah Okie doke. There we go. Oh, we have a time for a voicemail. Voicemail. Okay. This is uh, from our friend Erica. Yay. Hey, Frank and Dan. This is Erica calling from Napa, your good old friend out here. And I feel totally lame because I haven't been caught up on the podcast and I just heard your hundredth episode and I wanted to call and I'm really late to the party, but I want to say congratulations and give you two. TGIA moments. One being last year, or whenever it was that you started out, I guess that would have been last year, I was sewing, and you were making me laugh so hard, I actually sewed my finger, and I was bleeding all over the place, and rather than running to get the first aid kit, I actually, like, had to stop and, like, try to turn off the podcast because I didn't want to miss anything, and hi, hello, forgetting that I could go back and, like, just, like, rewind. (laughs) And then today, I have this huge, crusty, disgusting cold sore on my lip. And Dan, you with your Brigham Young nose breathing bit, I actually split my lip. And again, I was bleeding all over the place. So I just want to say I love you guys. You make me laugh so hard that I bleed, um, which is, I don't know if that's a good thing, but it's, it's, it's wonderful. And I'm probably coming out for the atheist convention thing in April. So mark your calendars, lock up your silver. I'm coming to town. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I, may, I, I, I love you, Erica, but maybe you should stop listening. It well, sounds dangerous. Uh, well, I'm going to. No, <laughs> I think it needs to go a different direction. I think um, listeners, have you bled? From CGIA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need to. 
Clearly, you are not doing as well as a listener, as our friend Erica, yeah. if you have not bled for us. Yeah. And if you haven't, uh, you know, maybe maybe you want to just, maybe instead of actual blood, you can you can uh, figuratively bleed for us by, by going to our website, thankgodimatheist.com, and clicking on the donate button. Oh, hey, way to work that in. Dave. See what I did there? Yeah. Yeah, you could donate. Donate. It'd be really nice. Yeah, sign up to be a subscriber. Yeah, we've got we've got two methods of donation. Mm-hmm. Well, actually three. I'm going to say three because okay. there's you can leave a one-time donation of whatever amount you want, or you can uh, you can do the subscriber thing, and then it's just like you know five or ten bucks a month, no big deal. You know the cost for the cost of you know saving a child in Africa, you can donate to us, <laughs> or <laughs> instead, instead, or Clear, uh, or. In addition to. In addition to. In addition yeah. to. Go get, ahead and save your child in Africa or donate to whatever. Uh, yeah. but, but Get then, the important, whatever you feel is important, do that one first and then do the other one and second. Then, and then do us. Yeah. And then, and then the other thing you can do is you can buy a t-shirt. There's always t-shirts. We sell t-shirts. Yeah. You can just click Great, on the- uh, handsome t-shirts. It's a- we, Thank God I'm atheist, it says right across it. I get compliments- Oh, of course you do. I'm walking down. It's a handsome T-shirt, and it's a T-shirt that people. What's funny is that I, I haven't been yelled at or anything, but I get a lot of people like, give me the point and and, and nod. Yeah, like hey, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. You'll get that. You too can have that experience. Somebody going, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you if you go onto the yeah. website, yeah. So we, we got in trouble, Frank. We did. We were uh, we were sternly chastised by several of our mm-hmm, listeners mm-hmm. Uh, for 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 going after. Uh, not we did not do a review of the book. This much needs to be made clear. <laughs> we never re- we never claimed we were re- reviewing the book. The, this was a, these were news articles and reviews of the book that we were referencing, and then we talked about a concept. Mm. That and so and but people uh, people thought that we were yeah. attacking. Well, we were Pete talking of Bogosian himself yeah, and his book, A Manual for Creating Atheists. So we we rectified it. We we went yeah. and talked to the man. Yeah, the man himself. Yeah, and so we uh, re-recorded a little conversation with him. Yeah, and we're going to play that right now. Here you go. So here we are. We have Pete Bogosian. Bogosian. Bogosian, sorry, Pete. We uh, he he explained to us earlier, listeners, that it rhymes <laughs> with explosion. But we still got it wrong. We, we I still got it wrong. Dan got it wrong. <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming on the show, Pete. A pleasure. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, this is great. So, uh, you know, we were just uh mentioning to you that we uh we got in some trouble when we yeah. when we talked about your book on our show not because we talked about your book in a way that we knew anything about it no cuz we I thought I was pretty clear about that <laughs> we we, we had not read it at that time but yeah we talked about it uh and uh, and about the concept of sort of evangelizing atheism and hmm. uh and and which, yeah which boy, is what we thought it was really bringing up and that's where we ran with it so sure so uh so like, so we got so you, taken so to guys- task you got so people took your test, but you have actually read the book now. We have, now we have, yeah, we have oh, indeed. God. Every time someone says that, I just have to pause for a moment and suck that. I mean, that gives me <laughs> such joy. I can't tell you how many. I would say it's about five percent of the interviews I have. People have actually read the book. Really? You're kidding me? Well, outside of atheist circles, in fact, oh, sure. actually, let me revise that. I think zero, zero. I mean, clearly, that other 
Canadian one shouldn't look even look at the book. But um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, uh, but you you guys have read the book, right? Yeah, yeah. So okay. I mean, you know, they've read the title. What more than what more do they that's, need, right? That's that's a good point. That you <laughs> don't judge a book by. Oh yeah, wait. Oh, uh, so yeah. <laughs> so tell me, you read the book and just give it to me straight. What do you think? No no BS. Bottom line. Well, you know what? We will give it to you straight. But what I'd like to to have you do is just sort of explain to our listeners what from in your words what the book's about what you were trying to achieve with it will you yeah of course of course um the book is about helping people to align their beliefs with reality to to engage in public policy in a way that they sit at the adult table <laughs> to uh yeah you did read the book to mm-hmm. um to shed delusions to value reason and rationality and the public understanding of science. Okay. To give them the tools to differentiate what's real from what's not real and to to use those tools to make a better life and to help their communities. You use the term street epistemologist a lot. Yep. Yep. So what is that? So epistem- there's only two dollar there are two two dollar words in the book. One of them is epistemology, just how you know, how you know things. It's a I didn't put it in there to show everybody how smart I was. It's just the perfect word for what it is. And so I, I used it because it was the most appropriate word. It basically, bottom line, means how people know what they know. And uh, a street epistemologist is somebody who, just by talking to people, liberates them of delusion. Okay. Hmm. And this yeah. is and, – and your book claims to uh, – you, you, you want to create a, a virtual army – of of epistemologists out there is that would you say that that's fair? Uh, well, yeah, it is, but it but it's that's it's way beyond that. I mean, it's just <laughs> way way beyond that. I mean, I would like to give the tools to every single person on planet Earth, even the people who don't want to use the tools, because uh, <laughs> and and I and I you know if someone's infected, a loved one, a friend, and someone's infected by the faith virus, or someone comes up to you and start talking to you about whatever superstition or nonsense there is, it will give people a plan, a template, a strategy to help those people shed those delusions. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Well, Dan, I think this is a good jumping off point for Pete's question, and. Because we had sort of differing responses okay. to, to the book. That's true. We did. So, uh, did, I mean, should we get into that just a little bit? Dive in, man. Well, I mean, first of all, do you want to maybe talk about your response? Because yours is a well, little bit. Okay. So, so my my initial response. Here's the thing, uh, Pete. When we were talk when we were talking on our show about the concept of going out and sort of and and and, and proselytizing for atheism. Yeah, that's not exactly what it is. But now that you've read the book, you know that's not right, what it is. Indeed, indeed. But what we were talking about was the fact that, to our minds, it's just as annoying when we do it as it is when they do it. So right. that was kind of our jumping off point. Now, as you say, that's not what your book is about. Your book is about sort of teaching people ways of knowing, effective means of knowing things. And, and what is an effective methodology of knowing something and what is not. And mm-hmm. faith, as you say, is not. And I, what I really appreciated was that you advise, you counsel people against trying to talk about, uh, trying to trying to attack someone's religion, trying mm-hmm. to attack the attack the the tenets of their belief. You you counsel people against going to that place. You know, you don't you yeah. you don't want to attack Jesus. You don't want to attack the Bible. You don't want to attack any of those things. You, it's just about going after the way they know things. And I thought that that was brilliant and spot on. 
I guess where I diverge from you. Yeah, I'm loving the butt. I just, I'm excited. You're making me a little nervous, but we're let. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're we're in good shape. We're in totally good shape. We're we're on safe footing here because I really did like uh, your your methodologies and everything. My my question is, and I guess this is my question for you. Um, you use words like uh, intervention and uh, treatment of people, and you say th phrases like uh, in your practice. Mm -hmm. Of this ep epistemology, these are these yeah. are therapeutic words. These are words yeah. that, that 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 are used in therapy, and I guess my one of my concerns is that you're sending people out into the world, and you say, you know, you you ask people to make street epistemology their default communicative interaction. That's a quote from your book. I just wonder, are are you sending people out to do essentially a therapy that they're probably not qual qualified to do? And I say this because you're fucking smart, dude. And uh, it, that much is absolutely clear reading your book. You're, you're one of those powerhouse brains. Well, not all of us are geniuses like you. And not all of us have the background in, you know, Kantian thinking or, or, or you know, whatever else. So, so is there a danger that, that you're sending people out to do something that they're really not prepared to do? Was that your principal objection? I don't know that it was my principal objection, but it was one of the things that worried me. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so maybe this is a weird thing to say. I'll answer your question directly after I say this. I uh, I don't think that I'm a particularly smart guy. <laughs> but, no, I'm I'm being really sincere when I say this. Here's what I think. I think that I've worked really 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 hard mm. and i think i've worked so hard for so long i mean that's why i'm chronically exhausted and i'm actually frankly worried about my health i have worked so long for so hard that it's made up for any any intellectual deficiencies that i've had so <laughs> people perceive that people perceive me as as uh, having much more intellectual light bulb power than i actually have <laughs> um and I'll, I'll couple that with one more thing I think um, – and, and I don't mean this out of arrogance. I mean that this factually – I think I'm an incredibly sincere person. And I think the combination of hard work and sincerity and being honest with yourself will take you places that just raw intelligence won't take you. It will give you a type of life and a type of examination of your life and a type of honesty with yourself that you just can't get in the genetic lottery. Mm. Well, I, yeah. I definitely don't disagree with you on that point, but I, I, I would have to say that still, and I, th this is coming from a guy who does a weekly podcast devoted in, in part to, this, to, to these kinds of thoughts, Yeah, I still don't have the time to devote to all of this stuff that seems like it would be necessary to become a really effective... Okay, so uh, back to your question, in other words. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, cool, cool. Uh, so I, I did, I did just, I just want to say that. So... So no, I don't. Here's here's why. I think the part of it is when you engage people in these interactions, the thing that I mentioned over and over in the book is that you have to be willing to revise your beliefs. Mm. And so if someone knows something you don't know, then you have to say you don't know and either mm -hmm. admit on the spot if their reasoning is good or say, hey, look, you know, I really don't know. I'll, I'll get back to you on that and let me think about it. So that's the first thing. Right. The second thing is it is – 
a fact, but we can talk about what a fact means or we can talk about what I mean by by this, but people's cognitions have been damaged in very severe ways. We can have a discussion about whether that's a cognitive illness. We can have a discussion about whether that's a mental disorder. We can have a discussion about, and I don't think it's mere semantics. I think the words are important in this context, but we can have a discussion about what happened to people but the fact of the matter is that we have people whose cognitions are so severely damaged that they have come to radical conclusions about the world. And I guess in a sense that's bad for a number of reasons. And this dovetails back into your question. You know, I mean it's bad because they vote in a democracy because there are politicians make laws that hurt people and, and, uh, and hurt communities. Look at, just look at the gay community, you know? Sure. Or, um, so, so, so the, is the question then that I'm asking to do people things that they're not qualified for? I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think that by asking people questions that helps both the people and themselves to lead a more thoughtful and examined life, I don't think that can ever be a bad thing. I think the call for civility and discourse is vital. Mm. I think that for too long, you know, this angry atheist meme or narrative has been out there. And I think we need to change the way that we interact. Mm. And part of that change is, is uh, you know, it, it, it's not just a, um, um, it, it's, 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 well, I mean, you've read the book, but, but it's, it's, it's a bluntness, it's a sincerity, it's an honesty with respect to the other person sure. and respect to ourselves. And I'm also talking about engaging ideas that people have, very, very dangerous ideas in some cases. Right. And so the only way that we're going to do this, it's not a question of being unqualified or qualified. I mean, th- these are not um, – you know, you're not talking about someone who wants to kill themselves. You're talking about someone who has an epistemological problem. So, some way, their way of knowing is taking their beliefs out of alignment with reality. Mm. Either that, <laughs> or, or I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. Right now, that's Fair always enough. possible. And if and if I'm wrong, then when I talk to somebody, then I have to acknowledge. To, I have to be sincere in those conversations, right. and I have to say, look, you know, wow, that's that's really interesting. You, you know, so, sure. someone asked me, what would you do if this caused the emergence of a million Muslims? Right. <laughs> and I thought that was an awesome question. And I said, that would be the best thing ever. Because if there's reason to believe in Islam, if I have evidence for it, then sign me up. I'm ready to go. Right. Right. So I don't think it's – I think the call for civility, the call for thoughtfulness, the call for people to – people who have pretty severe epistemological damage – these people can be helped, and one way to help them is through these micro-personal inter- interventions. Mm. Yeah. Well, I definitely. I mean, that's the that's the shit that really resonated with me, and yeah. and and the fact that you call for sort of a, an end to the debate, uh, to to the uh, to you know to actually going out there and challenging people. You know, I'm going to win on points. Well, you're right. not going to win anything. You're just right. going to frustrate everybody involved. <laughs> yeah. I do wonder though. I mean, has this ever backfired for you? Because I, 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 I know that I've dealt with like people like my father-in-law, who Frank and I both have Mormon backgrounds, and my father-in-law. And can I can I a, pause you for one sec? Is sure. That cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, you said something really interesting about winning, and and I think that's right, and I write about that in the book. But if you have to look at those interactions like that, I mean, if if it's just impossible for you to 
adopt some of the strategies, then let me tell you what a win is. A win is like I talk in the book about what Socrates says in the Gorgias, that it's better to be refuted than it is to refute because then you learn something. Right, yeah. So a, so a win in those conversations is that you engage somebody who has a more reliable epistemology, who knows something that you don't know, and consequently you, you discard a bad way of knowing and you adopt a good way of knowing. Yeah. Right. And so if you have to think about it that way, then you can think about a quote-unquote loss as your own personal gain. It's a phenomenal win because yeah. it brought you closer to reality. Yeah, I agree with you. I love it. Yeah, Frank, did you have uh, did you have some well, stuff you I, wanted to? I, I don't know. I, like... I interrupted you though. You're talking about. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was actually interested in that. But, but I have you know. the uh, I have the ADHD, so I don't know what I was saying at that point. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, uh, no. Actually, what, what's sort of been rattling around in my head, um, listening to all of this, is just, you know, the the objection or not objection, your worry, Dan. I I've been having some difficulty, just honest, honestly speaking kind of wrapping my head around your worry, right? Because like my my experience, Pete, is that I, I served a two-year LDS mission. Yeah. And and that was the moment in my life when the doubts were planted and it was planted by the people I was talking to. I was out there supposedly trying to convert exactly. people, exactly. but instead people had these amazing responses to what I had to say, yeah. which was a script, you know, <laughs> what I was saying, I didn't really even believe. Right. But people would come back yeah. with me with these amazing responses and would challenge me in, in ways that I, I still remember these conversations, you know, almost 20 years on now. Sure. And, and so it's like, I really saw something in, in this process, Pete, that I could really identify with because I was on the receiving end of it. You know, yeah. like, and, mm -hmm. and I, and so I'm glad that those people were willing to, to, to stand up and to just challenge my point of view sure. and challenge my worldview. Well, okay. So now I remember where I was going before okay. uh, and, and you brought me back to it, Frank. And, and that was Pete that, uh, that I, you know, I've had interactions where I tried to discuss religion and I tried to do it respectfully. I mean, if you've listened to our show, then you would know that we we are not angry atheists. We we get taken to task sometimes because we're not angry enough. We just sit and giggle for we, an hour. We and just a half have and... a fun time. It's just yeah. So I mean, if if people have uh, a problem with our show, that tends to be it. But I think uh, oh, and the fact that we're willing to take other atheists to task is is a complaint people have. <laughs> That's an odd complaint, but okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, I mean. God, you should see the response that we got when we when we came down, and we didn't come down on you personally. I, mm -mm. We came down on on the idea of of evangelical atheism, and people jumped in and said, "You can't touch Bogosian. Bogosian, really? Bogosian yeah. is ours. You can't touch him." God, I, you know, I should probably follow the. I don't really read any blogs. Actually, I don't. I don't. I should probably read that. I. I. Uh, well, I, I find that. You're not pulling my chain, are you? No, man. You're you're like a holy cow out there. <laughs> oh, come on. People, they love you. The love is just pouring in. And one guy threatened to, to never listen to our show again. I shit you not. <laughs> I shit you not. <laughs> so, so there you go. <clears throat> but what? Well, let me advise uh, listeners listeners against it. Look, look. As long as you didn't target me personally or my family, you you can target my ideas all day long. In fact, uh, I, ins I'm, I I insist that you do. <laughs> indeed, indeed. 
Why are you not on our show more? We need you on our show all the time. This is good. Anyway, <laughs> what I was getting to is, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about, uh, I've tried to talk respectfully about my atheism and, and, and about ideas surrounding that with, for instance, my father-in-law, my sister-in-law. Like, these are, these are hardcore Mormons, and I've tried to have good, respectful conversations with them, and it's ended up biting me in the ass, because these so where, where, where do you live salt lake we're but we're in salt lake city so i mean we're in we're in mormon central here can i it, throw you a curveball sure so how about this uh if i do a book tour you have me over for dinner with your family don't tell them just say hey i'm gonna have a guy over and i'll <laughs> deconvert your whole family <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay my my initial here's i have two responses to that and the first one is, I would pay you my life savings <laughs> if you achieved it. <laughs> and the second response is, I can't risk the fallout that would come Aww. if you didn't. Do it, Dan. Do it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw out something. So I'm, but I'm if put, you come I'm to Salt Dan. Lake, we, we'll work something out. I'll All figure right, it well, out. Just uh, I ask only one thing. I ask actually two things. Okay. Low carbohydrates. Okay. We can handle that. <laughs> You can handle it. no pastas, potatoes, lots of meats and vegetables. Sure, sure. <laughs> and you pay it forward. Indeed, indeed. You help you help other people. Well, well I, you know, I I got to tell you, you know, while I will refuse ever to engage in a debate over religion ever again yeah, with good. with with a with a religious person, you, what you prescribe in this book is something that I could I could jump on board with. It's something mm -hmm. that have I'd you do tried it yet? You guys tried it yet? No, it's still for me. It's still kind of sinking in. I'm still kind of. I want to explore a lot of your um, your suggested reading. Yeah. yeah, you know, like a really. I but I I the other thing is that all of our friends are atheists already. So it's just yeah, who it's we're gonna of, go to. Maybe yeah. We 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 haven't yet mustered up the courage to just encounter someone at a fast food restaurant. <laughs> yet okay well, well, yeah well you can always wait until they come to you or friends of friends are good too if you want to try or it's true it's true and yeah. and i'm sure that that it'll come up but you know we just we just barely got your book you know last couple of weeks so well it's... you read it so that's awesome so there we are we're, we it's a starting point right yeah cool, cool. <laughs> um so yeah I, uh i'm sorry go ahead i did kind of want to ask you a, a couple of things um i have it on my kindle um, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Um, well, one of the you, you talk about treating oh. faith as a public health crisis at one yeah. point. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that because that seems it, that to me does seem maybe a little extreme. But like at the same time, I'd, I'd really like to hear your thoughts a little bit. And I think our listeners would too. So, so uh, to make it crystal clear, the idea of faith as a virus is absolutely not my idea. It's it's been in the literature. It has a pretty extensive pedigree. Um, my thoughts have been informed by Brody, by Daryl Ray, by Dawkins, um, by by others, and, and actually, my wife's a physician. And uh, just by when I when I go to these conferences, um, I always like to to listen and, and uh, see how much I don't know, but. Uh, the, some of that. So, go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. By the way, if, are you coming to the American Atheist Conference in Salt Lake in in April? Oh, I don't know. Uh, no, nobody invited me, so uh, well, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I guess not. I don't know. Uh, if you want to show up, let us know. We'll 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 find a place for you to stay or whatever. 
Oh, okay. I'm staying at your house. I'm deconverting your whole family. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Sounds great. Sorry, go on with what yeah. you're saying. No, no. So, I mean, that's not my idea, but it, it is. And, and uh, to really get a, a look at this, you should really read the work of Delroy. He lays it out much better than I do. But mm-hmm. it really does travel and it really is transmitted like a virus. And it does something. And I'm not a cognitive neuroscientist, and as you guys know, I don't pretend to know things that I don't know. <laughs> I, it, it does something to the wiring. It, it, it wires the brain in some way, but it is creepy in its relationship to viral epidemics. It's creepy uh, um, epidemiologically how this um, – trying to think of something else, another um, word for the faith for us, but it, it just – the faith – it really is a vi- – it really is like a virus of the mind. I mean it really truly is. It has the same categories. So I think I wrote that in there because I think we need to conceptualize this as an epidemiological problem as well. Well, maybe you can also elucidate for us, because I agree with you that it it hinders a person's uh, a cognitive uh, progress, their their ability to, you know, I I, I feel like I've seen it, that that the way faith can 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 slow or or uh, or, what's the word I'm looking for? That's not retard because that sounds wrong, but some the, but they can slow a person's uh, ability to to process things well. Yeah. But my yeah. question is. What do you see as the is the actual danger of that? I mean, I granted we've got a bunch of you know people running around who aren't as good at cognate cog, cognating at cognition, but is that that big a deal? Wow, that's a uh, I'm a little taken aback by that question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a species threatening event. That's what a big deal it is. I mean, so so look at it. But this we're way. still here, right? In, yeah, in what way? Because <laughs> people have been pretty religious for a really long right. time, and, and we're so still... as so as Sam Harris and others have said over and over again, you you combine apocalyptic weapons. Now now we have, I don't know if you know Kurzweil's work, and um, so 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 now we have we're, we're combining virulent, dangerous epistemologies, faith based epistemologies, with an ability to kill people on a scale never before seen. Okay. But but that really wasn't where I was going with it. That so I mean you 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 could think of that as a danger to children. I mean just really like let's forget the fact that we're on a podcast. Let's just sit and for a second and think. Let's just think of the damage, of the emotional damage that it does to a child to tell them unless they believe something on the basis of no evidence whatsoever. They are going to burn in hell for eternity. They're going to be separated from their families. Yeah. They're going to burn in hell. That is grotesque. That is monstrous. That is the most grotesque form of abuse that one can think of. I Well, I don't know. I think hitting is actually probably yeah. as grotesque as that. I mean, I, I, I don't mean to be flipped, but the thing is that I lived through that. I grew up being told that and being yeah. told a whole bunch of other bullshit. And but there's I, a difference. There's a difference. And the difference is, there are many differences, but the a pr- a primary difference, the chief difference is that it's sanctioned by society. Sure. And people think that you're a good... Nobody thinks that someone who hits a child is good. Right. But people who think that they... That if they tell their children they're going to burn in hell if they don't hold certain sets of beliefs, they're looked at as the virtuous, decent, good, upstanding people. Well, I don't disagree with you on that point for sure. That's definitely a, so, a, a so, problem. 
Yeah, so we have these social structures. We have these structures of reinforcement mm-hmm. that keep people locked in. And that's what I wrote in the book, this idea, again, not my idea, uh, that faith is a virtue. And oh, yeah. so so that's a problem. I mean, it's so it's a, it's a problem. I mean, look, I mean, there's the whole idea of like Rick Perry praying for rain and I mean, and I'm not even talking about the most extreme things. I'm, I'm doing. So I'm doing a. Um, a t- when is this episode going to be released? Uh, Friday evening. This Friday. Yeah. So I'm doing a, uh, a uh, TV show called The Reason Whisperer, and uh, I, I'm going to take people as they walk out of you know churches and mosques and synagogues, and I'm just going to deconvert them on the spot. <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, yeah, I already. Yeah, it's going to be. It's d- dude. I'm, the footage is insane it's crazy that we got i went to a mega church here and uh, uh you know had amazing conversations like really genuine sincere conversations with people um where but, where, where can we see this well we're going to put together a trailer and we're going to see we're thinking of doing a kickstarter we know a few producers we think we're going to send it to them so i'm not really sure what we're going to do with it and that each we're going to have follow-ups right so awesome. we do on-scene follow-ups so i explain it and then we look at the footage and i go over step by step by step the process that i use to and that's the other big word in the book uh belief openness dox, doxastic openness right <coughs> excuse me but but my but back to the the original point is that I think that this is incredibly dangerous and incredibly hurtful to people, and I think that it's leading us away from making better decisions. Mm. Uh, I think. And, that, and I, yeah, I'm sorry. Man. I no, I think I think you're probably right about that. By the way, you mentioned Daryl Ray several times, and I did want to mention that he uh, he told me that I had to tell you hello. So oh, very cool. I, I, I I let him know that you were coming on the show, and he uh, he said he said to say hi. Anyway, um, <clears throat> sorry. I I think I did. I just interrupt you to say that. No, I wasn't. You know, we're just we're just three guys hanging out talking. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what we were hoping for. Yeah, don't worry about interruptions. It's all good. <laughs> well, we. Uh, I I have to say, I I really do recommend. <clears throat> excuse me. I recommend to all of our listeners that they go out and buy your book. Uh, I think that I think that there's a lot of really good stuff in it. Yeah. Uh and and I think that your what you discuss uh and 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 I think you're right. There's a sincerity to it and there's an honesty in in what you're trying to get to that I think is is worth reading and worth looking at and and I and I appreciate you putting it out there. Yeah. Well, thanks. I'm I'm glad that you guys liked it. Um it's not enough to like it though. Right? <laughs> no, I mean it really it really isn't. It's it's not enough to like it. It's you got to help people, right? So you, you you have people who are suffering from delusions, and we need to help them. And you don't have to go out into the streets or whatever. But you know, if if you have an opportunity to ask people about why they believe what they believe, then I think it's a it's I think it's incumbent upon you to do so. Hmm. Especially you guys. I mean, you have a podcast. Right. I mean, the, the the possibility for you guys to sit. You, I mean, you are situated in such a way that you guys really can help people. You know, you look, come back, you, you you try this out, or you invite me six months down the line or whatever, and you can have you do you do call-ins. We'll have people call in. We'll talk about your interventions. We'll talk about your interventions, and uh, you know, maybe you think it works. It doesn't work. When you think it doesn't help, make you you know, we'll just have a we'll have a sincere discussion about that. Um, I'd, lo- I'd love that. Yeah. yeah. So, so again, it's not enough that that we buy the book. 
and DJ Grotti talks about it all the time. It, it's about it's about an ethic of caring. I mean, it's about helping people because mm. people think. I mean, you know, when you talk to these people, I'm always struck by how sincere they are, by like what decent, good people they are, right. and they really want to do the right thing. They really want to believe the right thing, and they think that they're believing the right things, and they're not, and they're really damaging themselves. And unless you know, I, I can't. I'm one guy. I can't do this alone, <laughs> but you guys can help, right? Well, that's, you guys why, that's why you're on here, man. You can motivate listeners to help, and we need to change the cultural dynamic, which currently is we don't talk about faith. Or if someone throws the faith card, the conversation's over. Like, that's it. Right. And or, we need to change that dynamic. Or the dynamic is someone throws out the faith, the faith card, and then all of the atheists scream and shout at them. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and tell them that they're stupid and tell them that obviously everything that they believe is wrong and a whole bunch of stuff that I think uh, I think is largely unhelpful. Because as you point out in your book, it sends them back into sort of retrenching into their position yeah. again. Yeah. Exactly. It makes their epistemic situation worse. Right. It makes their. Hmm. And so we, we need to <clears throat> we need to call it we need to change the way that we deal with people who are infected by the faith virus we need to look at them as infectees mm. we need to look at them as people who have cognitions that are damaged and we need to try to help them but we also at the same point need to say maybe our own cognitions are damaged mm-hmm. am i am i willing to revise my belief is there something that i have and that's an insidious thing about a lot of faith Right. An insidious thing is that people think it's a virtue to hold to or to stick to or to not revise their beliefs. Right. And that, yeah, that was another point of the book that I thought was very was very salient was was the notion that uh, that we as a society need to need to uh, make it make it a virtue to to be willing to say, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. I think that's good stuff. Well, Pete Bogosian, thank you so much for coming on our show. Yeah, we may take you up on that offer to have you back on in in, in a few months if you don't mind. Oh yeah, and uh, so I don't know if I'm going to Utah. I haven't, I haven't been invited, but if I do a book signing or something, uh, hey man, uh, stay in touch. Get out yeah, here. Yeah, all good, all good. Uh, <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, guys, for having me on. I I appreciate it. And uh, and if we make it up, we if we make it up to Portland, we'll buy you a beer. Man, if you make it up to Portland, I'll buy you 10 beers. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Sounds great. Right. Awesome. Thanks, All Pete. Right. All right. Okay, bye bye. Well, that was nice. Thanks, Pete. Yeah. What a charmer. Absolutely. He's great. Yeah. So, uh, so there you go. That's uh, that's that's from the mouth of the horse itself. <laughs> the horse's mouth. What what are you saying about uh, Pete Picozio? <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying that that was his mouth yeah, that he was okay. using to say those things. Good. And good. Uh, and that was nice. Thanks yeah. so much Pete for coming on. Yeah. Uh it was a fun conversation. It was very very fun. It was nice to it was nice to uh well, because I had just finished reading the book. Yeah, like, yeah. When, when we had the conversation yeah, with both him of earlier us. this week. We just barely. And uh and it was uh it was it was it was I mean, what a, what a what a pleasure to have the ideas rattling around in your head, and still and, and hear get the to, person, and then get to talk speaking. to the author. Yeah, about exactly. It. Like, um, really, a lot of fun. So. Yeah, I, I, we need to do that more. I don't often. feel like I got my, my, my pointer. I don't feel like I. Anyway, what was your point? 
Well, no, I mean, I, just the the thing the thing about like uh, the the possible danger of it. I, I didn't want to push him on it, but I still I still I, feel I still don't really see. I know that's your why point I, I didn't make it very well. That's my problem is that I didn't make oh. my point very well. I, and if you had made it right, then we would all see it. No, I yeah. I mean, I think that I think that there is still a, a danger. I think you're you're dealing with. I I think. I'm just going to say this, listeners. Okay. My personal feeling is that if you decide to go out and start messing with people's faith, I agree that it's the the way Bogosian does it. And read his book, for God's sake, read his book, and don't uh, don't don't just go out and try and do this on your own. Do it. Oh no no no. Use his methodology. W- the way that he's doing it is is really smart. Right. But if but I still think that there's the, that you're dealing with something that is so intertwined with people's like core sense of their own identity that you could that, that there's there there's possible damage that could be done i'm just saying well it is my feeling okay but here's here's the question that i would have for you then okay let's say you were all wrapped up in in something faithy yeah still yeah right um and somebody came to you and challenged your faith indeed what what ultimately does that end up doing? How do I mean? Yeah, it might rock your world if you're if this person is as good as Pete Bogosian at it, right? You know, um, but I'm saying if having people... your world rock like that, that's nothing that that's not a bad thing. I don't know how that's ever a bad thing. I I think we imagine like little old women having their you know their faith taken away from them and then just crying for the rest of you know their life lonely in some room somewhere and that's like why it's like oh crap that might be a bad thing but what if she has like this awakening right at the end of her life and sees death for what it is and sees life for what it is and is able to like okay have a totally new and 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 exciting experience about life i think that that's a possibility and i and i and i applaud that but i still think that my father-in-law like the one thing that's holding his psyche together is but faith. you don't know that i don't know that but we don't not you, know you're, that you're either. assuming that his psyche is far weaker than it probably is possibly well, I'm, come on. All, I, all I'm saying is we don't know that that's the case, but we don't not know that it's the case either. Right. But what if now reason and logic could be the things that hold that are holding his brain together? You're assuming that he's capable of reason and logic. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Well, at this moment, maybe not. No, but like, he's actually great. You know I, what I, I mean? I've like, had some really positive experiences with him. But the, right. thing, but the thing is that, he, that, that there are people for whom... I think this could be dangerous. I have no evidence to prove that. It's just, it's all of that is, is just an impulse. It's I think, just an I think you're basing it on a faulty epistemological. Um, yes. Indeed. <laughs> Whatever. Indeed. I've done, I, this will require much more study. <laughs> anyway, if you guys uh, have anything you want to say about all of this and about Bogosian himself and about mm. us and all of that stuff, uh, we're you can say it to us. Yeah, we're open to hearing it. Yeah, sure. Uh, it you can you can uh, go to the Facebook page. That's mm-hmm. facebook.com slash tgi atheist. You can send us a voicemail at podcast. I'm sorry, a, a voicemail would be going to a phone number four two four six 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 eight four four two is the number that you can uh, leave a voicemail. Right, yeah. or you can do that other kind of mail, the emails. That's a good way to do it, and that's podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. As always, we like to thank the Red Rock Hot Club for letting us use their music. Yeah, and uh, and thanks again to Bogosian, and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. <laughs>